uh, get you to turn your Bibles to um, uh, to uh, Chronicles chapter seventeen. That's First Chronicles seventeen. Yep. And I'm going to take a little while to find it too, so you can go ahead. But the the, the point. What, what I'd like to point out about Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 17. If you can find Hebrews chapter 17, <laughs> you're awesome. But in Chronicles 17, we've been reading the Bible through every year. How many of you are reading it through with us? A couple. Well, here's to the rest of you. Here's why we do it. Like the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, read their Bibles, their Torah, their Tanakh, they read it through the same. They read the same chapters on the same day in every synagogue in the world. So this afternoon, when they read their half-hour reading, it's the same one wherever you would be. And how did they stay together for two thousand years after after seventy A.D. when they got taken booted out of their own country until nineteen forty-eight when they got back in again? How did they stay one? How they they believe how they stay in one accord is by doing the same things together all the time. And so that's why we do it. So it's, again, it's not some religious activity. As a matter of fact, I said in the earlier service, um, I don't, there, when we get to Leviticus and Numbers and some of those places, I would just as soon skip over it. But you just plow through it because it's what you do. Now, how many of you enjoyed the book of Leviticus? Could I just see... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Anyway, in uh, First Chronicles chapter 17, verse 11, we read these verses. And it shall come to pass, when your days are expired, that you must go to be with your fathers, that I will raise up a seed after you, which shall be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build me a house, and I will, I will establish his throne forever. Now, the Hebrew people think that he's talking about Solomon because Solomon built the temple. But Solomon didn't qualify for the rest of this. I'll be a father to him and he will be my son. I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it away from Saul before him. But I will settle him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forevermore. So, what you need to know here is that he's not talking about Solomon. He's talking about Jesus. And um, so when, with that in mind, when you go to Haggai chapter 2, maybe we should just go there. It only takes a minute. Yeah. Haggai 2 and verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, that's the Lord of Sabaoth, that's the Lord of armies. He's, he's, he's got his, his big pants on here. He's letting you know, hey, I'm your father, and I'm going to fight for you. you thus saith the Lord, yet once in a little while, I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'll shake the nations, and the desire of all nations will come. And when you read this in the Hebrew, it's really cool because it talks about, I will take chaos and bring cosmos. That's the word shake. It's not destructive in the sense that he's going to bring order out of the disorder that's everywhere. So whether you recognize it or not, what's going on on the earth today, 
God is bringing order to the chaos. Okay. Right. Like we're seeing what the devil's trying to do. But the, the, how many of you know that's not going to work very well? <laughs> no, no, but it never worked for him before. And then, then you get into verse 7, and he said, I'll shake the nations, the desired nations will come, and I will fill this house. See, that's still his promise to you. I will fill this house. Come on, we'll get to Hebrews 3 and verse 6, and you'll find out whose house we are. He's talking about you. He said, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, the wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. But it's not so that we can roll around in money. It's talking about winning souls into the kingdom of God. The greatest prosperity a church will ever experience is new converts coming in all the time. That's why great is your faithfulness. I love that song, great is your faithfulness. Because faithful is something that you are after the excitement's gone. Right. I mean, like, you know, when you when you go through things and you and and like like, you know, newlyweds, hey, I'm so excited, yippee and all that. But it's faithfulness that'll get you married 30, 40 years. You know, I still don't I don't get real excited when Nancy walks in the room all the time anymore, like I used to. But I'm still like, <laughs> watch what you know what I mean. I don't get goosebumps every time I see her. Right. No. Let's get back to this word quickly, quickly, back here. <laughs> I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. The, the, the point is, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former house. Maybe we should go to Hebrews chapter 3. Wow, I almost buried myself. I don't mean... No, but things don't always come out the way you want them to. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I mean, right now, Tiffany's getting a new house built, right? Coming along real good, I heard, Jordy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Father is building a house. Every house, verse 4 of Hebrews 3, every house is built by some man, but he did... But he that builds all things is God. Moses was faithful in his own house as a servant, a testimony for the things that would happen after. But Christ as the son over his own house. Whose house are we or we are if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end? So I guess faithfulness is when you rejoice, when you offer up the sacrifice of praise when you, you're not, it's like you, sometimes you come to church and maybe you've had a discouraging week. But when you come into the presence of the Lord, hallelujah, I said, when you come into the presence of the Lord, when you recognize how much your father loves you, we want to talk about fatherhood today because, uh, again, I like to point out that he's not a reflection of your father. He's everything that you wanted your father to be. No, no, he's flawless father. He's perfect father. It's pator, pator, founder, protector, provider, charged with the interest of taking care of you. And again, it's, that's why I love Matthew 5 and 6. He talks about father, I think, 17 or 18 times 
in these verses, and it's the first time that they had ever thought about him as father. They said, Abraham's our father, or Moses our father. They didn't recognize God as their father. They didn't know it. And so that's why I think in Matthew 4.13, he said, repent or change, change your mind, change your attitude, change your actions for an invasion from the spirit realm is imminent. And he started right after that, he started talking to them about their father. And it was quite a concept for them. When he said, our father who art in heaven, they said, what? They, they, they knew they needed to learn how to pray and how to pray effectively. And so he 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 gave them he didn't give them uh, a pat he gave, he didn't give them a pattern in so much as you know in religious circles he still prays all of all the heart in heaven it wasn't about that it was about hey pray for his kingdom his will to be done in your life as it is in heaven so he said I want to treat you like you're already with me in heaven and it's not the same as you're being treated right now. So you need to change your attitude, change your action, change the way that you think, begin to recognize that you've got a father that loves you. Maybe you never knew one before. Like my father died when I was six. I have no clue what a father was like. But I grew up an orphan, and it had a negative effect on me. And, And again, like I've seen this in the church for years and years, fatherless kids, never, ever plugged. And again, John 3. You know, he said, be born again. What he's really saying is, be refathered. You've got a father that loves you, and he wants to take care of you. And so he's the founder. He's a protector. One of my favorites, though, is over in Romans chapter 8, where he says, cry, Abba, Father. Abba is two letters, Alif, which is creator, and Biat, which is the house, the creator of the house. He told us in, in Ephesians 3, for this reason, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I remember one time talking to Joanne, uh, Dana and Joanne, jo- Joanne Bradford, and she had been missing her mom, missing her mom, really crying over her mom. And I saw her mom standing beside her while she was doing praise and worship. And that's encompassed the boat by such a great cloud of witnesses. You think they're up on uh, on cloud 43 somewhere, but encompass the boat means up close and personal. Like if people say, do, do people in heaven know what's going on? Yeah, they can look in anytime. You know, they're, so even though her mom was gone, she simply took an earlier flight to the unseen realm. So she's over there now, right, right there where you could, if you could touch it, well, they can't see it, so they can't believe it. You're operating in all kinds of things you can't see or believe. Like right now, when you think about right now, we're sitting here right now, how many music stations are flowing through here? How many TVs? All of that. And you can't see any of it because you're not tuned in. It's like there's angels. There's, I mean, a host, the Bible says that we're encompassed about by a great host of witnesses, but also the angelic host, two-thirds of them, did not rebel against God. And they're here. Matter of fact, the Bible says that they desire to look into this thing called salvation. And so, so just because you can't see, just because you can't see, you're going to know God is for you. Just because you can't see, you're going to know that God is for you. Who can be against you? Just don't ever think, oh, I'm so alone. That's an orphan mentality. You're not alone. 
you hear far from alone, there's a crowd. Get out of here, some of you people. <laughs> Don't know if you knew how many, how many people. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be scared to get undressed. Anyways. <laughs> so, ah, before, the creator of the house. Whose house are we? Did we read that in Hebrews chapter 3? Hebrews 3, we did that, didn't we? Yeah. Whose house are we if we hold fast? Hallelujah. So, yeah, back in here in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 9, he says, This is after this manner, pray ye. That's pretty self explanatory, isn't it? How do religion mess that up? How does religion mess things up and be, it becomes a ritual instead of a revelation? And then, and then in churches, we even change our voice. Is to sound holy, our Father, Lord in heaven, Father be the name. Like, hey, he's your father. Is that, is that how you're going to talk to your dad? Anyway, enough of that. Our Father, my Father, my Founder, my Protector, my Provider, one that takes my interest. How should I pray to you, Lord? Ask. Ask for my kingdom to come. Pray my kingdom come on this earth. Pray my kingdom come. What is your kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. What's my kingdom like? I've got streets of gold and gates of pearl, and there's no lack here. There's no sickness here, and I want you to pray my kingdom come. My kingdom come. My will be done in earth. It is in earth. Right there, you look at it, in earth, in your flesh, in your life, in earth as it is in heaven. Pray my, but notice, pray my will, not your will. Pray my will be done, not your plan, but my plan be done in life. Why? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A double-minded man can't receive anything from God. So I'm praying, your will be done. And how many of you know that if I'm praying for his will to be done, it's going to go against mine sometimes? Huh? Is there a chance? Is there just a chance that there might be a bump in the road? And so somebody has to surrender. And then I found out he said, I am the Lord and I change not. So the, so the only one that can change is me. And again, I like to, help, to, to tell people, the only problem I have in life is me. I'm the only problem I got. Nobody else can be a problem because I love them and I can't let them be my problem, right? If you're loving people, not isolating yourself from people. Matter of fact, love your enemies and do good to those, to those that despitefully use you. Lots of times when you love an enemy, an enemy will become a friend. Matter of fact, I, I, I had one time, I remember this one time, uh, I had a guy come to me to leave the church. Most times when people leave a church, they'll make up an excuse. The excuse is they don't want to change. And it, or, or else you get, or else you get, you get bored of it, tired of it. You know how you get bored with the things of the Spirit of God? You stop doing them. You're not, you're not taking the message and letting the message change you. And so you hear it over and over again, and it becomes a vain repetition. But how you get past that is applying the Word of God to your life every time you hear the Word of God. 
and again, it's not about the vessel that it's coming through. It's, is it the word of God? And then if it is, then I should be probably applying it to my life, applying it to apply the word to me. Uh, so, so he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, your plan. Not my plan, your plan. Be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed is the word hegezo, and it means to be separated, to serve. So then when you get to verse 10, the two wills, <laughs> when you get two wills, there's no peace, there's no rest. That's why he would say, let him ask. James 1 and verse 5, any, any of you lack wisdom or any of you lack anything? If any of you lack, lack, let him ask of God who gives unto all men liberally, but let him ask in faith, not wavering, not up one day and down the next. But, but again, what is that? That's trusting that I have a father that wants to provide for me. I'm not my provider. He's my provider. He's the provider. He's the father, the, you know, the, the, the master of the, of the family name. In, he said, the father of the whole family in heaven and in earth. That's him. What did he say in that? That was in Ephesians 3. We didn't finish that, did we? He said, he said, for this reason, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the whole family in heaven and earth is named after him, that he would grant unto you and you and you and you the spirit of wisdom, come on, revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It's all woven together in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. He says that his number one prayer for you in Ephesians 3 was that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. And that you would be, that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith, that you'd be rooted and grounded in knowing that you're loved. The, the, the root, the grounding, the foundation of your life is that you are loved. Everything is built, that's the foundation that everything else is built on. Without that, you've got a foundation of sand. He said, rooted and grounded in love so that you can comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length. He said, the depth the height, the love of Christ that passes knowledge. He said that you'd be filled with the knowledge, of filled with the fullness of God, and that he's powerful. Listen, this is his will for your life. I'm powerful to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So guess what? You need to change your thinking, change your life. Anyway, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And again, Colossians chapter 3, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us. I can't have anything against anybody. He forgave me. I don't know about you, but he forgave me for so much that I can't hold little things against people. To hold little things against people makes me little. Matter of fact, I also found this, that if I try to keep somebody else down, I have to stay down with them. Let them up. Let them up. Let yourself be free. Why walk around grudging and holding things against people when you can just let it all go and go yippee and enjoy your life? Hallelujah. Amen. No, but I mean, just think if you love one another. Well, I don't like the way they treated me. Well, you might not like the way they treat you, but, but that's your problem. No, but it is. Like, like you know, I, I realized that a long time ago that not everybody's going to like Gary. Right? 
It's just a fact of life. But I'm sure not going to go vote over somebody because they don't like me. If if I just love them, let them go, right? Love your enemies, do good to those that despitefully use you. Love your enemies. And if they're a real problem, remember Hebrews 10 and verse 30. Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. In other words, forget, let, let those people go. Enjoy your life. So forgive. And, and, and I just want to pick up a few more verses in this chapter so that we can move on. Because the kingdom, is, the kingdom is not about prospering. The kingdom is not about having needs. The kingdom really is about advancing his kingdom. Like, like I should not be need conscious. If I'm conscious of my father. Well, I think in Mark chapter 8, Jesus gave the perfect example. They're out in the boat, and, uh, they're, and, and they're talking about bread. They say, oh, wow, man, we've, we, we don't have any food with us. And Jesus said, hey, hey, you knuckleheads. He, no, he probably called them knuckleheads. He wouldn't have called them a knucklehead in chapter 1. But by the time you get to chapter 8, he assumes that you know some stuff. So he says, weren't you there when we fed the 5,000? How many baskets were left over? Well, weren't you there when we fed the 4,000? How many baskets were left over? Seven. He said, and now you're here talking about we don't have anything to eat? Yeah, I mean, that's that's... But this is how the devil operates. He'll mock your last miracle. He'll come against you and think that the provision isn't going to come this time. And the problem with it is when you start to think that way, you start to talk that way and you get those results. So drop down to verse 24, please. Now a man cannot serve two masters. Either he's going to love one and hate the other, hold one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, don't be led by a need, be led by the Holy Ghost. But Mammon here is the, he was the Syrian god of riches as well. As and so here they are, they're they're making they're making their supply their God and their responsibility. It's not your responsibility. Even a father of the family, when you get right down to it, it's not your responsibility to it's your responsibility to be a husband and a father, but your responsibility is to believe in the harvest. Your responsibility is as long as the earth, earth remains, summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night, seed time and harvest time shall not cease. Whatever I plant, I'm going to harvest. I could go out to Middle Muscadaba today and plant some marijuana in my garden. Good night. And the soil will do exactly what it's, what it's supposed to do. The soil will obey Listen to this. The soil will obey the seed. Matter of fact, the soil will try to grow a fence post. If I stick a fence post in the ground, it'll try to rot it to make it take root. And so whatever you're, so I can go plant marijuana or I can go plant corn. And how many of you know, you, whatever I stick in that soil is coming out. Well, if the sower sows the word, according to Mark chapter 4, verse 14, then the words that you speak do the same thing. So if you don't like where you're at and the results that you have, what kind of seeds have you been planting? Well, I've been planting marijuana. No, but he, I remember one day I was driving across PEI, and I stopped, and um, there's, over there the, the, the canola fields are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, just beautiful stuff. But anyway, I stopped, and the Lord said, I want you to take a picture. So I, so 
I, I try to obey the Holy Ghost, don't you? So I took a picture of a potato patch. And uh, then I looked at it on the phone. He said, what do you see? I said, I see potatoes. Why do you think you see potatoes? Well, it's because they planted potatoes. And so I can see in your life, whether you like it or not, I can see what you planted. And so if you don't like the harvest, start planting new seed. It's, no, but it's, it's just as simple. Like this, this Bible is so simple. You read along and, and he's talking about obeying the laws of physics and obeying the laws of thermodynamics and the law. Everything that happens on this planet, like a miracle, like I said last week, a miracle is that we see a plane going across the sky. If they had seen it 200, 300 years ago, they'd have said it was a miracle. But it wasn't a miracle. They discovered the laws of thrust and lift and, and drag. And so now, now you see planes fly. But, but, but every miracle is the same as that. In Corinthians chapter 12, he said, one of the, he said, gifts of healings and working the miracle. So there's a way that miracles work, right? There's a way that the gifts of the Spirit work in the church. In chapter 12, he says, the hand can't say to the arm, I have no need of you. You, you start working together in one accord and miracles, those kind of things start happening. But as long as you're an individual wanting to live an individual life and coming and going as you please, like, you know, people come and go to church as they please. I, I think uh, I think I'll go today. I don't think I'll go today. Well, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, "Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together." But you can still do it. I mean, you can be as free as you want to be, but that's not freedom. Irresponsibility is never freedom. Being responsible is real is real freedom. Being responsible and saying, "I'm going to go whether I feel like it or not." And not only that, not only not only am I going to go to church today, but I'm not going to get something. I'm going to go and see if I can help somebody. Whoa, what a, what a concept, right? <laughs> no, but it's true. Like lots of times we come and say, oh, God, please meet my need, meet my need. God's saying, I'll meet all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But what I want you to do is my will. I want you to meet my need. My need is to win people that are outside this building. My, my, my need is I want to see the world evangelized. My need is I want the gifts of the Spirit operating in here so that the needs of the people can be met, not so that you can show it and be a star. I mean, you know, like it's just a whole mindset. Like, like that's why he wrote Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. 12 and 14, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13, he starts talking about love. If I can just get you to love one another, if I can just get you to care about somebody else, and you'll be surprised when you're ministering to somebody else how your needs will get met and how your desires will be fulfilled. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So, so don't love God and money. But again, it's Malachi 3.10. He said, he said if, if you'll bring your tithes into the storehouse, I'll pour out a blessing that you can't contain. Well, he's, he's pouring out the blessing, but if, if my heart is closed, his windows are open and my heart is closed, I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> because my getting is to, to meet my need or my greed instead of being a blessing to somebody else. Oh. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he said, uh, he said, take no thought for your Take no thought for your life. And you tell me one person in here that's free of this right now, okay? Take no thought for your life. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? 
Where am I going to get some new clothes? A thousand a year, he said, he said, be a bird brain and figure it out. <laughs> but that's what he said. You know, the thousand a year. Look at the, look at the birds, man. Your heavenly father feeds them, and so does Nancy. But, <laughs> but are you not much better? Aren't you much better than they are? <sighs> Consider the lilies. They, they, they can't dress. Some of those little wildflowers that are growing alongside the road right now, there's nobody dressed as nice as that. Hallelujah. But then he, then he, then he lets you know in verse 31, that the, all those negative thoughts will come to everybody here. Those negative thoughts happen, they come. But, but look at what he says. Take no thought, saying. And it was Kenneth e. Hagin that said, a bird may fly over your head, but don't let him make a nest in your hair. What he meant was negative thoughts are coming by you all day long, but you don't, the only way that you receive them is when you speak them out. Because Satan has no authority. Satan has no power. Satan has no birth certificate. And all you need to have a power on this earth is a birth certificate. Come on, Peter walked on the water before he got born again. Think about it. Think about it. He wasn't a born-again man. And he, a natural man on the Word of God walked on the water. Whew. What can a Holy Ghost-filled person do? My, oh my. The potential is so vast. But again, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The things, the things that go wrong in my life is things that I don't understand. Again, somebody flying a plane 200 years ago was ridiculous. But now here we are. How many other ridiculous things have happened when people simply discovered what God had already, already provided? He provided for flight. I mean, you know, a couple of hundred years ago, people only had, like I remember when I was a kid growing up, Saturday night was bath night. No, but that was pretty gross when you think about it. And, and before that, and I don't even want to go to before that. But, you know, I, I remember the first people that, I'm reading about the first people that ever arrived in China, the first uh, Anglo-Saxon people that ever arrived there. The Chinese people didn't want to even be around them because they stank so bad. They had a bath in the spring. No, but I'm just saying we were ignorant of the law. They used to throw their poop out the window into the main street in town. The only way that they got past that, the, the, the thing about the Jews is the reason why they were, had so much health and other things going for them through all of that time is because God taught them. You, you bury that stuff and you, you take a shovel with them. And you, like he educated them and kept them healthy. So anyway... <laughs> Enough of that poop. Okay. <laughs> take no thought saying. So don't take the thought by speaking it because you're the one with authority. I love what he says in verse 32. Your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. Well, that tells me something else too. My prayer list doesn't have to be a grocery list. Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy and my middle name is Moore. I don't have to pray that. I can, I can pray for other people because my needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I don't, I, I, don't, I don't come to him with needs. I come to him with fellowship. I want to hang out with you, God. I don't want anything. I don't, I'm not coming wanting anything today. I just want, just want to enjoy your presence. I, just, I want to hang out with you, God. I know you want to hang out with me. 
You said you'd never fail me, never forsake me, so that I could boldly say, you're, my, you're on my side. I'm not fear what a man can do unto me. You want to be with me, and I want to be with you. I'm a God chaser. How about you? Let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay. What is your kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In your presence is fullness of joy. I was in the cave over in the Mount of Olives where they used to hang out every night. I was there. They never spent one night in Jerusalem. But Jesus took those guys over into this cave every night, and they built a fire, and they laughed, and they carried on, and they had so much fun. How do you know that? Because in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand pleasures forevermore. They, those, guys, they, those guys had a time. They had a time. They enjoyed themselves. That's why Peter would get for, forgiven so fast, you, you know, and, and Judas did not, because Peter had a right heart and a wrong action, but Judas had a bad heart. And so, so you're going to meet people like that in your life too. There's people that you need to forgive, like Peter. And then there's people like th that you need to dismiss, like Judas. It doesn't mean that you don't like them anymore. It just means no, no, I, I'm not. I I can't uh, I can't allow that because that's a bad spirit. So it's not that you're being cold or mean to anybody. You're letting God deal with that stuff because it's too big for you, right? Amen. So seek first the kingdom, His righteousness, His way of doing things, and all of these things will be added unto you. And here's one that we all need to learn: take no thought for tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow. Unless it's a good thought, of course. But if you're fretting over something, let it go. Why? Because my father, my patter, my Abba, my daddy loves me. Let's go to Romans 8, please. Again, rooted and grounded. Think about it. Roots go down deep and grounded in love. A foundation. Love, love, love. God loves me. Just get that. Get that. In verse 7 of Romans 8, it says, The carnal mind, that's the natural mind, is hostile against God, neither subject to the law of God, neither can it be. Again, you know, did, uh, can I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish? Well, once I get to know God, I believe that Jonah could have swallowed the whale. It's just, it's just these things don't become unbelievable anymore because they're in the realm of the spirit. And the realm of the spirit is more real than the things I see in the natural. Matter of fact, the spirit realm was here long before the natural realm was here, and it'll be here long after the natural realm that we know of is gone. So, um, so he said the natural mind is hostile to the things of God. It can't be subject to the law of God. It can't be. So that they that are walking in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, the spirit of God dwells in you. Come on. This is, this is you and I. So you get down to verse 14. And he says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that's weos. That's H-U-I-O-S. That's a mature believer. One translation says sparks from the flame. In other words, you can't separate the fire of God from the fire that's in you. And a weos is a, is a mature son, one that receives everything from God. It's like James chapter 1. You know, when he talks about after patience has its perfect work in you, you'll be complete 
entire, lacking in nothing. And so it's, so it's up to you and I to, to continue. Like Galatians 3, I think of Galatians 4.19 says this. Paul the Apostle said, I'm in travail. I'm, in, I'm pregnant again. He said, I'm, I'm having labor pains again over you that Christ would be formed in you. So once you get refathered, you grow up. You're growing up and hanging on to dad's leg and learn, letting him teach you how to do the things that you need to learn and, and crawling in his lap, ladies, when you need to. He's that, he's that God. Mm. He's a good God. So, so, so then in verse 15, and so anytime you experience fear, know that you're not mature yet because mature love casts out fear, right? Isn't that 1 John 4, 18? So if you're experiencing fear, what about a pandemic? What about this? What about that? All that did was the, the, these things locate us and they don't locate us to condemn us. They locate us so that we can make the changes, make the adjustments, so that we can grow past it, right? Okay. He said, he said here, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption. In other words, you're not an orphan anymore. And again, an orphan has no sense of family. Uh, an orphan has a fear of intimacy. You look intimacy. You look, you see into me. If, I, if I'm really mature, I can let you see into me. I don't have to hide from you. I don't have to hide who I am from you in fear that you might hurt me because great peace of they that love your word, nothing shall offend them. I can't get, be offended by you. So, yeah. But I also know that intimacy without an invitation is, is, is interference, right? <laughs> right, so... No, there's lots of Christians that would like to do that too. They'd like to instruct you, and uh, and uh, anyway, let that go, Gary. Okay. Orphans have no sense of family. They have fear of intimacy. A, a person. This is what I felt like because my mother and father were dead by the time my dad when I was six, my mom when I was dead, and then I went off to live with some people up in the in Middleton in the Valley that I'd never met before. And so, so what I dealt with was I had, I had no protection, and I felt it. Like the, the people that they, I was sent to live with, well, I lived in a bunch of places, but they didn't, they didn't care about me. So I had no protection, and, and I felt isolated. I, I felt abandoned. I, I remember the, the, the one peaceful thing that happened. I was in grade five at the time. Is they back then they gave a New Testament, the Gideons, and I had that Paul. I had it, and I'm sitting outside up there one day, living with these strangers, and they were and and the the, the woman was nice, but the man used to drop me down and kick me and stuff like that. And so I'm thinking, when I grow up, I'm going to come back and beat the snot out of you. But I got past it. <laughs> but 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 I'm just saying it wasn't a pleasant thing. But I remember reading First John, in that little tiny. New Testament, and and I cried. I remember crying and feeling the presence of God. So I can look back now and realize that God was with me through all that. 
but in the middle of it, you don't. So, so that orphan, but see, if you're a Christian and you feel abandoned and you feel isolated and you feel alone, it's your choice. You've got to, you've got to take a chance and allow people to love you again. You've got to take a chance and love other people, even though you may be rejected. You just have to, because, because an orphan has no sense of community. But Jesus said it this way, if you don't gather with me, you're scattering. And I've watched that in the church. I've been pastoring 28, 29 years. Like, there's, there's a couple of hundred people that should be here right now that aren't. But they got offended over something or they got bored with things. You get bored with things when you don't do them. And you just keep, you just keep, you know, it's like eating without exercise. You know, you just keep getting, getting bigger and like the pandemic. Hallelujah. <laughs> No, but I mean, sitting home wasn't good for me either. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so finish this, Gary. Okay, so then he says, he says that you are heirs of God, right? You're the children of God. Your spirit bears witness that you, with your spirit. You're the children of God. That means family. Your family. And so family needs to get together. And if children then heirs and joint heirs, see, in order to be a joint heir with, with Christ and, and to be heirs with the people around you, you can't keep them away. You can't use the excuse, I'm introverted. No, introversion comes from inferiority. You know, and so you can't let that dominate your life anymore. You've got to say, hey, God, I've got this, I'm like you, I've got the spirit of, Community, the spirit of gathering. Oh, how good and pleasant it is that we'll dwell together in unity. Hallelujah. I better stop here, please. Okay. But he said, but he, but he, he, look at this. The, the goal here is, is this. He said, and if children heirs, then joint heirs with Jesus. If, if we suffer with him, we'll be glorified together with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this pleasant time are nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us, the majesty, the excellence, the beauty, the power, the honor, the wealth, the royalty. And so life really begins when you start to fulfill this purpose. So then we read the last couple of verses of Romans 8, uh, 38 and 39. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers or things present or things to come, or height or depth, or any other creature will be able to separate us from what? From the love of a God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so he loves me. Now Romans 9, 10, and 11 are to the Jews, so he kind of switched things over. So we can pick it up again in verse chapter 12 and verse 1, and he'll tell us what he wants us to do. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God, your reasonable service, and not to be conformed to this world, not to be informed by this world, not to be uh, informed by social media, right? What am I supposed to do then? I'm supposed to get into the word of God because revelation knowledge is what changes you. Revel revelation knowledge and the power of the Holy Ghost are the only two things that can change who you are. And I just want to read it out of the Passion Translation, then I'm going to let you go. Now, this may be the Passion Translation. I can't promise you. It's good anyway. Therefore, brothers and sisters, this is my last words to you today. Okay, you ready for this? 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, I'm so happy to be with you. In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to prevent your bo- present your bodies as living sacrifice, pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by renewing your mind so that you can discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. How about another translation? Beloved friends, what, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? To surrender ourselves to God, being his sacred living sacrifices and living in holiness. Experiencing, now get this, this is it. It's experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of our culture, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Ghost through a total reformation of what you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's it. So it's just up to me. It's just up to you. Okay? I, I need to, when I host, when I steward the word of God, I'm stewarding a person, not a scripture. It's him. Him. It's him. You're reading him. You're taking him and doing him. Letting him clean you up and change you. Letting the Holy Ghost fill you. And realizing that there's no such thing as a miracle. There's no, well, there are, but they're only because we don't understand the laws. Everything happens. He made laws that govern everything that you're dealing with. Everything. There's a law for it. But the greatest is the law of faith, Romans 3.27. Praise the Lord. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.